Hello and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. My name is Brandon and it's just going to be me today, folks. Steven has quite the work week ahead of him, so he will not be participating in today's episode. We did say that we were going to talk about vices, but Steven and I really wanted to have that conversation together. So we're going to change direction a little bit today, talk about why it can be so difficult to hold ourselves accountable. Um, if you uh, remember a couple weeks back, Stephen did an episode alone on why we don't follow our dreams. So it's going to have a, a similar outline where it's just going to be me today really discussing my thoughts and opinions on why it can be challenging to look at ourselves in the mirror. And again, these are my thoughts and opinions. I'm going to try my best to use my psychological background, um, but just take things with a grain of salt. If if you have different perspectives or theories on on why you should or shouldn't hold yourself accountable in certain situations, then that's that's your prerogative. But this is going to be just my two cents on the whole discussion. I've been thinking a lot about it today because it's something that I think I can struggle with at times and and don't want to do at times. So today is, I guess, an attempt to confront those things. And I guess the the outline of this episode will be, we'll start off talking about one of the reasons why I think it's difficult to hold ourselves accountable, especially in negative contexts, when we do something wrong, I guess. We want to be the protagonist of our story. We want to be the hero. And then after we kind of break that down a little bit, We'll talk about this place that we can get in when we attempt to be accountable is a place of self-loathing and self-deprecation. And that's honestly not a healthy place to be in. So it's something that I think can shy us away from even going down this route. Next, we'll talk about the self-awareness that it really can take to be accountable and how we can get caught up in seeing it in other people, but not in ourselves. And then finally, I'll just wrap it up. I mean, I'm sure I'll probably touch on it throughout the the episode anyways, but just a kind of final closing argument as to why it's so important to hold ourselves accountable. Before I get started, I just want to say thank you guys so much for having come along this this journey with Stephen and I. It's It's really great to have another person like Stephen who can fill in in situations where life gets a little crazy, just like I'm doing for him this week. It's having that partnership. This is one of the benefits. You know, when you're both clicking and things are convenient for you guys, that's when you can make really big strides. But when one person has a lot on their plates, your partner, that's another reason they're there for you. They can they can pick up some of that slack. So um, it's it's been a great journey so far. Thank you guys so much for the the constant support that you guys have given us. Um, we've been continuously trying to bump up our social media presence, uh, which for those of you who have listened to this podcast on the re- a regular basis, has been a kind of difficult road to navigate for me personally. I have very conflicting feelings about social media, <laughs> as you'll see in the very first episode of the show. But I've come around to some things, and it, you know, it wouldn't be f- without this podcast and and having you know this opportunity to continue creating content for people like you that continue listening. So thank you again. If you hadn't heard last week's episode, Stephen and I talked about judging a book by its cover, please check that one out. And please, please share this podcast with your friends, your family, anybody that you think might take something away from the dialogue that Steven and I try to have. I I think that's the biggest thing is this is an attempt for us to kind of navigate these these tricky topics together. And so the more people that can hear it, maybe the more thoughts that we can get on things, the more perspectives uh, more of a diverse background on stuff. So with, with that being said, if you have any comments or questions throughout this episode or from previous episodes, be sure to email us at emgpod at gmail.com or send us a voicemail at 
513-427-EMG5. Again, that's 513-427-EMG5. We'll play your voicemail on air, as they say. But uh, yeah, let's do it. So first episode, or first topic rather, first episode. (laughs) First topic is this idea of a conflicting portion of confronting our, I guess, mistakes or our turmoil can be this this narrative that we say in our minds of how we're the we're the hero of our story, and even for people that that self loathe and depress, I think part of the part of the reason they get into those places is an avoidance of that confrontation. This idea that maybe we. There's no way that I could do things wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm a shitty person, but you can't get to the core of why maybe you did those shitty things. Everybody does shitty stuff. I mean, they've talked about people in, in the public eye who are looked at as these just unbelievably caring and nice people who ha- have done just awful things to get to the top. Uh, I remember listening to uh, Bill Burr on Conan one time, and he talked about how when Oprah was trying to make it, she like hid some shit about little people behind the scenes. Honestly, I didn't do any research on it, so I'm not even going to go <laughs> into the details, but they were just talking about how she did some some shady stuff on her rise, and look at how much good that she has done. You know, even we talked about Bill Cosby, how behind the scenes he was abusing his power, but he did so much good for the African-American community. And I mean, it's not it's not a an exact equivalency, but I think the, the point is just understanding our capacity for failure and what and that failure is a necessary part of the growing process but if you avoid the fact that you aren't always the hero and that you can mess up that sometimes you are the antagonist of this life then you're never going to learn from those things and you're going to continue going through with this sense of ag- ignorance I think a lot of psychologically minded people understand that places of recovery and places of true personal growth come from not only living in these ultimate positive place places where you're always positively thinking and it's always just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm so motivated all the time. It's just not realistic. You might have some people like that. I think of... Dwayne Johnson, you know, The Rock, (laughs) Mark Wahlberg getting up at four in the morning every day. I I think either they just got so good at creating habits early on and have just continuously done that, or they just have something genetically that is just so high motor and it's not something that we can really compete with. So for the most of us who live down on planet Earth – aren't fucking aliens we have this serious vulnerability and serious mortality and i would argue that it's almost even more important to understand what makes us tick what triggers us into places of of hurt and maybe cause us to do some shitty stuff i mean how many times have you been in a relationship where things got to the point of desperation you really cared about someone and then all of a sudden you just did a ton of shit out of character i was talking to a buddy the other day and he has uh, a good friend who actually just got put in prison not in prison sorry just in he was just in jail <laughs> not in prison those are different things <laughs> but he went to jail because his ex she was like threatened. She felt threatened for her life and called the cops on him 
because he was trying to make things work. And within that, he kind of got this to this manic state and she felt threatened. So it's not like the police are just going to be like, oh, you're overreacting, especially in the context of the world now, how, how difficult it is to to navigate the the men and women relationship dynamic sometimes you know you don't want to dismiss women because they have gone through that for so long but the point i'm getting away from the point the point is this guy's a a great guy you know i guess according to my friend's perspective doesn't have behavior that's threatening or violent or anything he just was in love with somebody and couldn't handle losing them and wanted to make it work to the point of getting a little crazy, I guess. And, uh, maybe he wasn't as crazy as this female thought that he was, but we get to those places. We, we can, I've made a mistake throughout my life of being surprised by human nature. A lot of times being so naive that I just can't believe when somebody does something bad and it's almost I guess you could argue that it's this pretentious maybe self-righteous thing where maybe I wasn't even looking in the mirror to see the mistakes that I was doing making I was in this place of wow I would never do something like that how how could these people possibly do that and that's a dangerous road to be in too, especially because when you actually do make mistakes that you at one point thought were just unbearably impossible to ever make as a person. Number one, you look like a huge fucking hypocrite. Not that it matters what you look like, but you you are a hypocrite essentially. Um, but also it's going to hit you even harder because you got done. You got off your high horse looking down on people for making stupid decisions. And now you're in that same place that you were just looking down on. So it's like a double whammy. Now you're just, how could I fucking do this? These other people did this. I'm better than them, right? I'm the hero. It's just not accurate. Nobody's... People do good things, yeah, but... I think that maybe maybe it comes from entertainment. You know, I always wanted to be the Goku of my story. <laughs> For any of, of you that are Dragon Ball Z fans out there. And I try to be a good person, but I'm not... I'm not heroic. I mean, even people that are considered heroes... You know, you think of military vet veterans, they're just they're just living their life. They're just trying to do their job and their duty, what they feel they're responsible for. They don't feel any sort of heroic part of it. I mean, I can't speak for everybody. I'm I'm broadly generalizing right now, so I apologize. But from what I understand from conversations and interviews with veterans, that's typically how they feel. They're like, I'm just I was just doing my job. This is what I was trained for and Maybe some luck came came into play. So it's accountability kind of starts with getting to this place of realism and this place of understanding that probably nobody's as good as they seem, but nobody's really as bad as they seem either. We're all just people trying to figure it out. And I'm... Right now, I'm, I'm trying to speak to the majority. I mean, you get people like Hitler involved in this conversation. You're like, oh, so you're saying Hitler wasn't as bad as you seemed? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I think ultimately, the, within the scope of, of this topic, I'm trying to set the foundation for accountability and, and why it can be challenging. I think one of the first steps can be to try to see the world without rose-colored glasses. You know, a lot of people talk about how they wish they could go back to childhood when everything was so simple and 
nothing really mattered, but I don't know. That that place ends very quickly in life because you start to understand things and then you look back on things in your childhood and you realize, hey, actually those things were kind of fucked up too. (laughs) I just didn't pay attention to it. So starting there, starting at a place where Let's look at ourselves in the mirror and say, hold on a second. I'm just a person. I'm a human being capable of faults and flaws. I'm not a hero of my own story that I create. So now if I go look back at my life in in situations where maybe I was at fault. Or sorry, take that back. Look back at situations where I thought other people were at fault was I really all that righteous in those situations? And you'll you'll probably start to see things that maybe you can learn from. And that's isn't that the ultimate goal, right? To to set ourselves up to be the best that we can be. I know that's such a cliche thing, and I probably say it way too much on this podcast. But honestly, we can look back at situations where, I mean, I, I think about past relationships of mine where I gave so many fucks about this person and it just didn't work out. And I'm just like, my, my immediate reaction is it's their fault. I, I was here. I was fighting. I wanted them. But what's that actually going to do for me going forward? I'm not going to learn anything from that story. I just basically told myself that I was perfect and I was righteous and I guess that's that. But if I actually go back and look at that story and say, wait a second. Yeah, there's a reason I'm not with that person anymore. And some of that could have been the decisions that they made. But what decisions did I make that didn't set us up for success, you know? And it's not a place of, God, oh yeah, that one time I I did this instead of that. God, I'm such a fucking shitty person. Which is a, a good segue into the next topic, really. Is you get to this place of accountability, or at least you, you start to try getting there. And now it becomes self-loathing. If you think of it like this, so... Let's say the, the cliche metaphor for life is you're climbing up a mountain. You're trying to get to that peak. Even though Steve and I have talked about this discovery that we've kind of had with things where there's not really a peak. It's, it's a constant. There's no, there are no real destinations. Maybe checkpoints. We're like, yeah, I accomplished this. Now, where can I go next? Where can I build off of this? What legacy can I leave? But you're climbing this mountain And let's say that you're looking back behind you as you're climbing up it and these things that you drop behind that maybe didn't work out, what if you were to pick those things and just continuously pound on yourself with those things into the ground? Just constantly weighing on yourself, why did I do this? Why did I do that? Isn't your trip up the mountain you're, you're still trying to go up the mountain. You're still heading in that direction, right? So what's the point in adding to that load? Adding to that weight? I'm not saying that you should, like your self-reflection should be, there should be no like remorse or grief. I'm not saying be emotionless in it, but I'm saying don't make the burden of that accountability worse by disrupting your path to the future. It can be really easy to get to that place. I've done it. Steven, I think, he'll tell you he's a a very guilty person of doing this. A lot of our conversations, I'm just like, give yourself more credit, man. I think a lot of times that's that's the key too. We, if we go back to last last point, 
the hero thing, it actually it takes a little pressure off you as well. If you recognize that you're not the hero of this story, it takes some pressure off you because now you recognize that you're capable of faults and flaws. And sometimes you're just not going to get it right. There's no problem with that. There might be problems with the behavior that you exhibited or the actions that you took. But what's the point of not only trying to look at it and learn from it, but also beating yourself up over it? Doesn't Beating yourself up over it, I think a lot of times people can... I had a conversation with a friend once where she was like, so I I did this shitty thing, but I feel really bad about it. And I'm I just keep thinking about it. So does that mean that I actually am a good person? <laughs> I don't think that you I don't think you can justify it that way. Things happen and then they're done. You know, they they happen. Sometimes you can't right those wrongs. You can try to get closure out of it. But sometimes things are just kind of behind you and in the past. And so if you actually want to be a good person from that, shouldn't we take those places where our flaws were exhibited and say, hey, actually, I need to learn from this so that next time maybe I get in a situation like this, I don't do the same thing over and over again. That's been a big problem of mine, too. Yay, I'm such a good guy because I look back on my life and, you know, I I feel bad about the things that I did wrong. But going forward, I'm going to keep doing those same things. <laughs> that, that whole process of looking back on my life and feeling bad is just pointless. Uh, well, it's not pointless. The, the point was to try to justify to myself that I'm a good person because I went back and beat myself up over this thing that I fucked up on. But how is that actually going to help me going forward? How is it going to help me grow? That's 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 the key, right? That I mean, what's the point of accountability? So, I don't know. I I think it's it's a tricky place to navigate through because when you're constantly confronting things, I don't know. It's not easy. If it was easy, I think everybody would be really good at it. But we we recognize it in uh, in other people that it's just like, how do you not see what you're doing here? <laughs> how do you not recognize it? And instead, when we look at ourselves, a lot of times we can... Uh, getting to these places of how could I have done that? Man, I'm just, I'm so crappy. I'm so shitty. Yeah, you might have done something shitty, but again, give yourself more credit. Understand that. So, so for psychology, this is, this is a way I try to describe it. Okay. So there's a lot of discussion within the psychological community about you hear nature versus nurture. So you think about how your environment impacts you versus how your genes play a role in who you are. It's not really a debate in the psychological community anymore. Like you hear it a lot in, in I guess, the, the general community. But it's not really a debate anymore about nature versus nurture. It's they constantly have this role in each other. Um, but think of it like this. So there, there's a third, there's a third, I guess, layer to that whole debate. And that's something that uh, Piaget called active construction, which means Piaget believed that it's not really the genes or the environment that have a role. It's it's our willingness to have this active desire to make a difference, to change things. So think, I'm going to try to paint a picture for you. So think of it as underneath the surface, that's the foundation of a house, right? That's where you lay the bricks, the cement, 
all that stuff. Think of that as your genes. Nothing can be built on anything without your DNA and your genes. So your your genes can be kind of malleable in the sense that one gene could cause me to go to a place of serious depression, but if I if I actually take a different route, it could also be the same gene that brings me to a place of serious ambition and motivation. So we're capable of a very wide range of things. I mean, you you hear crazy underdog stories about people who you're just like, how is this guy successful? I don't know if any of you listening are, are fans of, well, I actually do know some of you that listen are fans of the NFL, but uh, Baker Mayfield, quarterback, rookie quarterback from this year for the, the Cleveland Browns. Steven will appreciate this reference because he doesn't know very many football players and he uh, is from Ohio. So this will be a, a person he actually knows, but this guy is what, six foot, six one, maybe doesn't have the strongest arm. He was a walk-on in college. No one really gave him credit. And uh, and then he became the first pick in the NFL draft. And even people doubted, why would you pick him over this guy or over that guy? Because they, they talk about these, these measurable things. You know, how, how hard can you throw a football? How fast are you? How tall are you? These things that, yeah, they technically could be potential, for something incredible, but this, I think people like Baker Mayfield go to show you that you can't only rely on what's genetically there. Like you still have the capability to create your own fate, which leads me to my next point of this picture, the house. So you have the brick foundation, which is our genetic material. Now you have the house. And think of the house as Piaget's active construction. Okay? So we're building this house, and this house is what everybody gets to see in us. It's who we actually build, who, who we create in ourselves, who we become. And we can take that foundation and, and, and make things bigger or smaller. We can build it how we want to. We take an active role in being the person that we want to be. And that's that's the beautiful thing about all this stuff. I, I a lot of times people are like, why why do you? It's not that big of a deal. Just let things go. And it's like, yeah, I, I get that. Sometimes you just gotta let stuff go. But I'm out here actively trying to become a better person, and and not a better not like I think the term better. And, and when you tie it into a better person, in some ways can be subjective. There's nobody measuring who are better people. But I guess what I'm saying is the best version of me. I, if, I, if I start to get to know who I am, what makes me tick, what makes me stronger. I talk to Steven all the time about how he's at a point now in his life where he knows his strengths. <laughs> so... He knows the strengths. Play up those strengths, man. Don't spend all this time trying to prove people wrong that you're good with this or you're good with that. Like You already know what you are good at. it, And yeah, sure, you could prove those people wrong, but the things that you're strong with, you probably enjoy more anyway. So why wouldn't you just do what you want to do? So this active construction can be diminished by this place of self-loathing, right? It's going to be a lot harder for me to to want to build the house that I want to build if I'm constantly tearing it down. And I think that's that's a good picture. The last, I guess, piece to this whole nature versus nurture incorporation with active construction is the environment. Okay, so your environment does play a role. I, I've... I, right now I'm taking the course of psychopathology in, in school and uh, I read in the text. So mental illness itself isn't isn't explicitly heritable. 
it's not like oh my my dad had depression or my mom had depression so i'm automatically gonna have depression what is heritable though is what we call our diathesis which is essentially our resilience to things that might put us in a place of depression or a place of mental illness i don't know why i said specifically depression it's it's really mental illness okay so if i grow up trying to build this house well when we're kids we're probably not trying to build the house actively as much as maybe we tried to when we're adults it's just kind of happening naturally but if i'm trying to build this house but then i get hit with the death of a parent or i get hit with um a loss of a sibling or my best friend moves away these things might not be enough to crack that genetic heritable part that would put me into a place of mental illness but those things stack up and if you take they do this with twin studies university of minnesota does a lot of twin studies to really because with twins you have identical genes right and I'm talking about identical twins, obviously. I didn't <laughs> I didn't preface that. So identical twins, you have identical genes. So now we can take two people with the exact same genetic structure and see how the genes are impacted by the environment. So identical twins that are split up through adoption, they'll then bring back and say, okay, so here's Tracy and Susie. Tracy had her adoptive family was very supportive, was very loving and nurturing. And then, wait, did I say Tracy or Susie? I think that was, was that? Well, let's say the first one was Tracy. <laughs> so Susie, um, I just had a, a Steven moment there. <laughs> My, he, he, uh, I, he talks about it a lot, but his ADD, a lot of times he'll, he'll get scatterbrained and he'll forget what we're talking about, which is another good thing that we're partners because sometimes I can help keep him on track, but I digress. Anyways, so Susie, on the other hand, had uh, a family that ended up getting divorced and then her mom was a single mom working two jobs and wasn't really able to be very nurturing. So her childhood was a little rough. It's not to say that she's automatically now going to be have depression, but her diathesis, as I said earlier, has been impacted differently than her identical twin, Tracy's has. So now let's say Tracy and Susie meet in college. Let's say that Tracy and Susie have end up, you know, having the same best friend, and that best friend passes away or moves away. Who do you think is going to be able to handle that better? The, the, the twin who had a supportive family growing up, a loving family, or the person who grew up with a divorced family and a, a, a single mother who wasn't didn't really have time to take care of her? Probably the former, right? The first one. It's it, the, These things play a role. But it's not that... It's not that Susie can't overcome this stuff. That's where that active construction kind of can come. You can combat it. So there are these things that are called risk factors, but then there are these buffers, these active uh, risk buffers. I actually forgot the terminology for it. I don't think that's what it's called, but essentially they're the things in our life that, that combat our environment. So... I got way off topic here, but I'm going to tie it back in. So if part of our active construction is self-loathing, that's not going to be it. Stuff in the environment is going to be shitty. So think of with my my picture that I painted. If, if you got storms going on, it's going to be hard to build that house, right? Got a bunch of shit going on. It's it's not going to be as easy to actively construct this this home. And you can have it to a point where your genes actually get impacted too. Where maybe you are neglected so much that your your growth is stunted. It happens. Um, 
And so now it doesn't matter how much you actively construct construct and work, you're never going to be as tall as you could have been if you had a better environment to play a role. But essentially, you're going to have shitty stuff that happens in the environment. Even if you growing up, maybe you had a virtually perfect childhood. In life, people are going to die. So you're going to have to grieve. In life, maybe... You know, the economy can be unpredictable sometimes. So maybe finances, which ends up being a lot of a lot of the stressors of things. Maybe things get out of hand. So how how are we actively combating those things that play a role? If your attempt at accountability is an attempt to beat yourself down, you're only inhibiting the growth of those problems, right? You're not doing anybody any favors. In fact, everybody else is all, all worried about their own shit. So why don't you do yourself a favor and hold yourself accountable to a, a place of an educational degree? I don't mean like a, <laughs> a college degree. Like you're educating yourself from an educational perspective. You know what? Get off my ass, people. <laughs> But this, this all ties into my next point, which is this idea of self-awareness. How do we develop that, right? How do we develop that self-awareness, that ability to kind of step outside of our own bodies and have a third-person point of view on our, on our life? You know, like, I, like we just talked about, it can get to a place where when we attempt to do that, we just beat ourselves down. A lot of times, again, we get caught into believing that we're not capable of bad things or it wasn't our fault that this didn't happen. Okay, yeah, that's true, but something bad still happened and you were a part of it somehow. Maybe you didn't take the final action that got it to that place, but what, what did you do? A huge example in something that I'm battling right now and I'll be transparent with you guys. So in a relationship that I had, specifically, I was trying really hard to make things work with my significant other. It, it, it just felt like they were absent. They weren't part of the relationship anymore. I felt very alone. I felt on an island. I felt like everybody was kind of against us because things were just different than they expected, than they had things before. And my partner wasn't good at confronting things. So when the relationship ended, my immediate reaction was one that completely lacked self-awareness. It was someone would ask me, so what happened? And my, I mean, I'd probably give more details, but essentially the, the picture I would paint is, well, this person fucked up, right? This person didn't give me what I needed, and eventually I just snapped. But how do we get to that point? Because when I looked back at the relationship, what I realized is a lot of these things had been happening prior. Why why was it so bad now? And the, the, the truth of the matter was because throughout that entire relationship, I had stopped, you know, those buffers that I was talking about earlier. I had stopped taking part of those. I stopped working out. I stopped eating healthy. I stopped playing music. Which if you know me, you know how, uh, you know, I didn't just do music to impact other people. It was it was my catharsis as well. It was my way of navigating things. Because when you're a songwriter, when, you, when you're probably an artist of any sort, you have this way of finding truth within that art. Just like people can view your art or listen to your art and find a truth within themselves, it's self-reflective, you can do that while you're creating it as well. I mean, that's that's the stuff that I love to write, at least. And if I take that away, what am I using to navigate things? <laughs> Not much. I mean, I think about stuff a lot. I try to have conversations. Probably should have gone to therapy, to be honest. But instead, I, I stopped all these buffers. 
So now my resilience, sorry, I tapped the microphone. My resilience wasn't as strong as it had been throughout the, I guess, maybe first half of our relationship. Because all of these things that kept happening over and over and over again eventually tore me down and I couldn't, I couldn't not only believe that my partner was taking these acts, but I also just couldn't handle the stuff in a healthy manner. I got to a place where I was in desperation mode and I probably did some things that were out of character, not any like illegal things, like I didn't hit her or anything. But I I did some things that I look back and I'm just like, man, who were you? (laughs) What happened to you? Where's the Brandon that you, you always were, you know? I even had friends that were just like, I don't even recognize you really anymore, which is a hard thing to hear. So what what's going to help me if I'm looking back on that situation and I'm just like, well, yeah, but she fucked everything up. Yeah, well, did she fuck everything up? No, she didn't. She wasn't the partner that I needed or I, I wanted. But it's a two-way street. What was I doing in that relationship that got it to that place? That's... <laughs> See, that's the thing with accountability. It's very challenging to look at yourself in the mirror and recognize. It's a lot easier for me to say, yeah, she just fucked it up. I really loved her and I really cared about her, whatever. It's an easy way out, right? I I really want to do that. I just want to say that it's her fault. I was a really good guy and she just fucked it up. But that's that's not the full truth. And the self-awareness it's actually liberating. We think it's so hard and we try to avoid it. There's so many people. I mean, I'm sure maybe even some people listening have a really hard time confronting stuff. I do. I just fucking talked about it for probably a good portion of a year after the relationship. I did not want to believe that I did anything wrong. That's not entirely true, but I didn't look, I knew that I did things wrong, but I didn't look at it in the same self-awareness point of view that I'm, I'm attempting to now or attempting to recently, I guess, where it's like, regardless of what she did, what did I do within myself that didn't help who I am as a person? Oh yeah. I stopped doing all that shit that actually is really good for me, (laughs) right? And it's not just... Working out for me isn't about, oh, I just want to look good. Like, it's getting the blood flowing and this actual balance of chemicals in your body that make you feel good about yourself too, make you motivated, get you out of a depressed state. And then the the interesting thing, the thing that makes psychology such a tough science is it's, the, it's a very chicken or the egg type situation. When you're looking at, you know, clients, people with mental health, it's like, did the mental health kind of come out of a chemical thing or did maybe the death of a family member happen and then that caused it or, you know, what's happening with the social environment? Did maybe they've got social anxiety so did that come because of something that happened in the environment or were they depressed and then that caused issues with their friends because they never wanted to do anything and now that you know it's just it's all these things play a role so this this attempt to hold ourselves accountable is really this opportunity to take a magnifying glass on who we are and say Okay, yes, I understand this thing didn't work out. I understand that this person (laughs) wasn't the best partner in this situation. Uh, I understand that this boss was an asshole. But how do I handle my next job? What things things should I work on? Because I can't control that other person, right? I can't control my environment. That's why I said earlier shitty things are going to happen in your environment. That's the stuff that you can't control. Why don't we focus on 
the stuff that we can, which is ourselves. How do I look how do I look at myself and say, damn, like well, I I shouldn't have given up this thing. I thought I was being selfless in this thing, but actually what I did was I drained myself, so then I was shitty later on to the person. I resented them for doing something that they didn't ask me to do. I just did that because I thought that it was the right thing. And I, it's just, if your lawnmower breaks down, don't you want to know why it's not working so that you can get it to work again? The stigma that we, we kind of have with mental health, and I'm not even talking about like a, a serious diagnosis. We all need to think about our mental health is the point. Holding yourself accountable is an attempt to be self-aware, is an attempt to to say, you know, I want to I want to be healthy. I want to handle things in the best way possible. I'm kind of smoothly transitioning into the last point, I guess. <laughs> the, the, that's what's important about this accountability aspect. If I, if, I don't, if I don't know why my lawnmower isn't working, I can't fix it. I can't get it to function. If I don't know what, what, what are my strengths and my weaknesses, how am I going to know how to make myself function at the highest capacity? It might take a while to do that, to, to figure things out. But you got a long life. Hopefully. You got a long life until you don't. You know, time runs out. And then you're sitting here thinking, fuck, <laughs> where, did, where did it all go? I have spent all my life blaming everybody else for all my shittiness. What's happening with me? Am I any further than I was before? Am I on my way to, to something new? I, I really hope that this episode doesn't come across, across as preachy. I mean, part of the reason why I try to talk about myself and my situations is, is to display that the only reason that I've learned some of this stuff is because I've been guilty of it. And I... I do try. You'll, you'll talk to, for any of those listeners who don't know me personally, you, you could probably talk to my friends and you can say that they'll probably all say that I'm a very stubborn person. I've had people even say that, oh yeah, you're never wrong. <laughs> you know, I've gotten that before. But uh, I do, I, I have a really hard time in the moment accepting responsibility like I'll get in an argument and I just don't want to lose the argument. It's like a pride thing. I probably got it from my dad. <laughs> I'm sure some other people have that tendency as well. You don't want to lose, you know. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go home and I'm going to think about that thing and say, wait a second. Did I actually handle this correctly? I had a friend recently who... I felt like I didn't give her a chance that she deserved after she messed up. I kind of got into this place of, well, maybe it's just better off. She fucked up and whatever. And then years later, I <laughs> I fucking recognized it. And I tried to do my part to like own up to it. But sometimes it's too late to do that, you know? So if, if you can get into this habitual place of self-reflection, again, not self-loathing, completely different, completely different. Learn from yourself. Become an expert in yourself. And that's not, that's not just positivity. I got a really great article sent to me this week about the importance of because you get a lot of this fluffy advice from people that's just like 
Oh, you just got to constantly think positive. Wake up and tell yourself that you're beautiful and you're great. And it's just like, yeah, but not everything's great. Not everything's roses. Not everything is beautiful. Maybe you could turn it into something beautiful or positive eventually. But to do that, sometimes you're going to have to confront the dirty side of things. It's harder. But honestly, you know what? I'm going to argue I'm going to argue something. Is it actually harder though? Maybe it's harder in that direct moment. But if you get that out of the way, you confront it, face it, and move past it. It's now a part of your past, right? You're no longer carrying that burden. Now, actually what you've done is you've opened your eyes a bit so that trip up the mountain Now you know better when you come to a split in the road which route to take because you came to that once before and you fucked it up last time. But now I become an expert of my decisions and understanding that I make some bad ones sometimes. So where can I go from here, right? I think you guys get the point. I don't want to I don't want to get to this place of redundancy. That's that's another tough thing about another good thing about having Steven as a co-host is you know, people might say that we agree on a lot of stuff, but I do think that having another person to just shout different angles of the the same idea can maybe paint better pictures. And maybe there's something that I I don't think about that Steven probably could have said about this episode too. So I guess I'll close it close it up here. Like I talked about, Steven should be possibly back next week, hopefully. Uh, we'll see. And if he's back, we will talk about vices like we promised. If he's not, maybe you'll have another episode with me. Maybe I'll do a, a more lighthearted topic <laughs> if, I, if I'm alone again. Uh, but thank you guys so much again for the support. Please leave a comment or question on our Instagram or Twitter at EMG pod. Call us at uh, 513-427-EMG5 or send us an email at emgpod at gmail.com. We love you. We're signing out. Take it easy. <laughs>